So, I guess you'd say I like a challenge. Whew. I started out this morning talking about a family of spiritual excellence and using a story of a man who's going to kill his son. We're going to start this afternoon talking about extended family relationships where the only in-law was God. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. So, I like a challenge. Uh, so, you might... Look at Genesis chapter 2. This is when the woman is created and presented to the man. It says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. I did it again. Can y'all see that? Everybody see that just fine? I'm short. This is the only time it comes in, the, in good. Uh, okay. He brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So, one of the challenges that we have when we get married is that we bring baggage with us. We bring baggage, my personal baggage that I bring with me, my tendencies, the way I think, and and that's going to be different than the way my wife thinks and her tendencies and those types of things. And we bring those together and we try to unite them. And another part of that baggage that comes along is the rest of the family. I'm bringing my family into this. You know, when you get married, you don't marry just each other. You marry the family. You you get the whole, all that baggage <laughs> that comes with it. And so, we, in order to have proper extended family relationships, I think it's important that we understand our role and where God wants us to be. And we learn from the very beginning that the primary familial relationship is the spouse, the husband and the wife. That's the primary responsibility. Right now, we have all four of our kids in our home, and so it could be very easy to get caught up in what they're doing and all about what they're doing, but eventually they're going to grow up and they're going to get out of the house, and you know what I'm left with? I'm left with Lori. I'm left with my wife. And if I haven't fostered that relationship and that been my primary relationship, we're going to struggle when all the kids leave the house, aren't we? And so it's very important for us to understand that, first of all, the primary relationship is between husband and wife. And this particular uh, quote, that a man should leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they should become one flesh, is not a quote from Adam. Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 5, that's what God said. Adam made a response that's now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. But then Jesus goes on in Matthew 19, verse 5, and says, this is what God is saying. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Okay, so uh, that's the primary family relationship. And we need to respect that role. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33 says, Nevertheless, let each of uh, one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So uh, in, in that role, since that's my primary family relationship, I need to foster that as a husband. I'm to love her. As a wife, she's to respect. And, of course, that doesn't mean I don't respect her, and it doesn't mean that she doesn't love me. It just means that that's uh, something that we're commanded to do uh, because it's more difficult in times for uh, many times for a man to show love and more difficult for a woman to show respect where that's more natural to a man and the other is more natural for a woman. So he gives us these commands, and we need to fill that role, and that needs to be our primary responsibility. 
But in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Once again, we need to respect the role children are to obey their parents. And when children are in the home, that is their primary family relationship. They are to respect and honor and obey their parents. Although, to the, the parents, their family relationship primarily is to themselves. Secondary is their kids. That's the secondary part of that relationship. So, it's, it's a, a very interesting dynamic that goes on in the home. In that you have a husband and wife taking care of the kids. And then the kids eventually grow up and then they move on. And they go marry their own spouse, and they, they then what do you do with the parents? And that's it's constantly moving in that way, and that's why we want to be a to go back to this morning a family of spiritual excellence. Because when they get out on their own, we want them to be spiritual people. So that's what we're training them for, as it talks about here in this verse. So we need to respect our role. That as a child, we honor our parents, we obey them, and we maintain the secondary relationship in that we're training them and admonishing them and working with them in the Lord. And we do that until, again, in Genesis 2 and verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they get married, and they move on. So what now? What do we do now that that has happened? How do we, how do we fit all of that in? Okay, so let's look at the first part. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. This is probably the toughest part of this study and this idea. Parents, it's to you. Let them go. That's tough. I haven't faced that yet. I'm not looking forward to it, but you got to let them go. You've got to let them lead their own lives. You've got to let them be their own family unit. It's no longer your responsibility to make sure that they're okay. You've been doing that all their life, and I know it's tough, but that's where we got to be. we got to let them go. As parents, he says they're to leave father and mother. So we've got to be able to do that. Then we see that with uh, it says to be joined to his wife. So this is for the husbands. Your wife wins every time. That's a lesson that's really hard to learn in your, when you're first starting out. Mom always won. You don't mess with my mom. You don't talk about mom, right? Your mama jokes don't work on me. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? That's how we are as young men. And, and then we get married and there's a disagreement between wife and mom. Your wife wins. Because you left mom and dad. Now, at the same time, wives, don't start something between them. That just makes it worse. It makes it hard. Don't, don't pit the son against the mom, that, that, that just makes it difficult and a challenge uh, to put them two together. I, I'm going to illustrate a story. Marlon was held, held a meeting for us this past week, and we were talking about some of this. He told a story. I said, can I use that? He said, sure. So I'm going to use a Marlon story. I won't tell it like him. It won't be near as funny. But the point will still be there. When Marlon had first gotten married, they were over, or his mom was over, I think, and she was making some eggs. And she told Beverly, 
that Marlon likes his eggs over easy. Beverly said, no, he likes them hard. And she got all upset, and she said, well, we'll just call Marlon in here. So they called Marlon in, and she said, how do you want your eggs? Now, Marlon had no idea what was going on in the background. He had no idea that mom and wife were fighting about this. And he said, well, I want them hard. And he said that that upset his mom. You know, it wasn't about the eggs, not at all. It had nothing to do with the eggs. It's about who knew and cared for her son better who was best at taking care of Marlon? That's what it was about. And that had to be passed down to Beverly. And that, you know, doesn't sit well with a mom. For all of his life, he's been hers, you know, to take care of. And that's a struggle. And it really is. But the wife's got to win. And that's something that um, you young men that aren't married yet, just keep that in mind. Your wife wins. Okay? But wives... Don't, don't make it hard. Don't, don't force that either. And then they should become one flesh. So they're to become united. They're to become one. And what that means to you wives is that your husband wins. Your mom doesn't win anymore. You don't call dad when something goes wrong. You call your husband. Or you tell your husband. That's where that comes in. Now, husbands, don't start something. <laughs> don't make it tough. Don't... Pit the two against each other just like the, the husband or the wife should not do that. Don't make it a challenge for them and don't show favoritism. That's so difficult and so easy to do. You know, we're about to come to a very difficult season for a lot of families. We're about to come to holiday season. And where we're going to spend Christmas, where we're going to spend Thanksgiving, how much time are we dedicated to one side of the family versus the other side of the family, and that becomes tough because you don't want to show favoritism. You want to equal it out, you want to balance it out, and uh, that becomes very much a challenge as you try to orchestrate and organize all these different families coming together on those specific days or that specific time. But don't try to do everything you can not to show favoritism from one side of the family to the other. And you really complicate things, or you don't complicate it. Things are complicated even more uh, when you have um, steps in the family. Steps moms and stepdads, that just gets even more of a challenge to not show favoritism. And you're divided all these different ways. Come up with a solution and work out a solution with your wife or with your husband because that's the primary relationship work something out where you're not showing favoritism one side or the other be fair to both sides so we're to leave our father and mother we just cut them off right we have no more to do with them we just leave them we walk out and that's just it right i know people like that I know people that got married and said, You're no, we're leaving father and mother. You, I have no responsibility to you. You have no responsibility to me. If you want to see our kids or you want to whatever, then you got to go through us and you got to put it on the calendar. we got to make a sketch, that kind of thing. Is that what he's talking about? Well, let's look at that idea. Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. 
He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from, the gift, from me is a gift of God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So here the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, you all need to be washing your hands because that's the tradition. And Jesus says, well, how about obeying? <laughs> how about doing something that's obeying God rather than something that's a tradition? You, in your tradition, you have made the, the commandment of no effect. And that command that he's talking about is honor your father and mother. Most of these Pharisees, probably married, gone, off, have their own families. They would have known the law. The Pharisees knew the law. They knew it well. The problem with the Pharisees is they didn't understand the law. So I'll, I'll give this gift to my parents. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a little and I'll say, that's my gift to God and I've done my duty. I've, I've honored my parents. But I left father and mother. So they go to this extreme over here. I don't have a responsibility to them and that's what Jesus calls them out on. Because they didn't feel like they had a responsibility unless they, you know, they would send a little here and there. And that would satisfy the command, not understanding the law and what it meant was to still honor your father and mother. So we've got to learn to strike a balance between leaving father and mother and having that family relationship between the husband and wife that's supposed to be there. And yet continuing to honor our father and mother, though we don't obey them, we are to continue to honor them. As Jesus pointed out. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do you know the context of 1 Timothy chapter 5? We often use this to say that a, a man needs to get a job and he needs to provide for his children. He needs to provide for the rest of his family. The context of 1 Timothy chapter 5 is widows. And if a widow has children that don't support that widow, he's worse than an unbeliever. That's the providing for his own he's talking about. A little later on, it talks about a widow who does not have children, and that becomes the burden of the church to take care of her. To put her on the roll, so to speak. But if she has children, it's the children that ought to take care of her. I want to give you an example of that. Let's find out in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14, Jesus was coming in. He went, uh, had come into Peter's house and he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Whose wife was that? That would be Peter's. Peter's mother-in-law was being taken care of in his own home. It's Peter's house, but it's also his mother-in-law. He's honoring his mother-in-law, she, his wife, is showing honor to her mother by taking care of her in a time of need because she was sick. And Jesus comes in and he heals her. So we see this example of that being carried out, that we are still to honor father and mother, and we help them out uh, if they need it. You know, your parents took care of you when you were young, when you were helpless. When your parents grow old, sometimes they become somewhat helpless and rely, need some help as well. It's our responsibility as their children to honor them and take care of them as well. So that's what it means to strike a balance. Notice also, 
in the book of Proverbs, chapter 17 and verse 6, says, Children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children as their father. You should want your parents involved in the lives of your kids. You should want that. The glory of children is their father, but the, the children's children are the crown of old men. Well, they can look at, at, the, at their grandchildren and be a part of their life and be influential in their life and involved. That's what uh, is the crowning achievement of a grandfather, so to speak. So we should want them to be involved. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4 and verse 9, says, Only take heed to yourself, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Okay, so obviously this is someone who is a grandfather now, a grandparent. And it says, first of all, that he's to teach their children. And having taught your children, that doesn't stop necessarily. But I do believe that the scripture helps us to understand how that's done. No longer is my dad going to tell me what to do and I have to obey him. But I do need to honor him. And I think there's a story in scripture that helps us to understand how that really works. And it's found in Exodus chapter 18. And this is when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes and talks with him after they had gone uh, through the Red Sea. So, so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, all that Moses did for the people, he said, what is the thing, this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And so he offers him counsel on how to do this. He says, Moses, it's too much for you to take on all the problems of Israel. And all these people come to you. So here's some advice. Here's some counsel I give to you. Do it this way. Now Moses had a choice. He could have said, no dad. And I know he's not really his dad. But I got this. It's okay. He could have. He had that choice. All Jethro was doing was offering him advice and offering him counsel. And that's what a good grandfather will do for his children. He will offer advice and offer counsel. He has that duty. He has that responsibility. But it's up to the, the head of, the fam of that family whether or not he's going to take that counsel. Now, Moses listened to the wisdom of Jethro. Someone who had some experience and had been there maybe and dealt with some things in life. The older I get, the more I realize how wise my dad always has been. Now, I'm not saying that my dad wasn't wise along the way. It just took me a while to recognize it sometimes. And so when he offered counsel, and, ah, dad, I got this. I, I got it figured out. And then I, hit, then I hit a point where I'm calling dad again and saying, well, I messed up. <laughs> how do I fix this? And he's 
And sometimes, my, even when I call Dad, he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you need to figure it out. It's like, Dad, that's why I called you. But it's about offering advice and offering counsel. And that's the way a parent should be once the children have gone off. But a grandfather or grandmother also is to teach the grandchildren. You still have a responsibility to teach. And there's an example of that in Scripture as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. You know, uh, Eunice had a chore in front of her to raise Timothy. Her husband was Greek. He was not Jewish. He did not know the law, or maybe he did know the law, but he, that, that he wasn't, from what we can tell from Scripture, is that he, that's not what he was. He, that's not what he was about. So Lois, Eunice's mother, helped her in bringing Timothy along and teaching him the faith and showing him the faith and was a great example to him. And so he had that responsibility as well, or she had that responsibility. Um, and Timothy... Obviously, from what has been written by the Holy Scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, Timothy wouldn't be where he was without his grandmother helping him along. So it's very important for grandparents to stay involved in their kids' lives and in their, their grandkids' lives and to teach them and to help them along. So, as we close, it's really about this balance. It's about understanding that I have a primary relationship. My primary relationship is with my spouse. And yet continuing to honor my father and mother. And I know that there are further extended family relationships that we could talk about. And we could talk about brother and sister and all of that stuff. But I really think that this is the one that most affects us. Uh, There are difficulties sometimes when a brother or sister is caught in trouble and you bring them into your home. And that brings their trouble into the home. And you still got to remember that my primary relationship is with my spouse, not with my brother or sister who has all these problems. And that may mean that I don't help them with their problems, but I remove them from the house. That's my primary responsibility. So we do, have, we do face that at times. But I really wanted to, as we talked about this, talk about the, the in-laws. That's the struggle. The struggle of the transition from... Being in the home and then moving away and being in my new home or letting my kids be in their new home. And that's the struggle and that's the balance that we need to keep and recognize. Um, hopefully this has been helpful to you in some way. Uh, if you need have a need that, uh, that we can address and help you with, uh, please let us know by coming forward and while we stand and sing a song. It's been selected.